With the new Chevy Silverado, you might be driving in this. But with the Silverado's redesigned interior and large infotainment screens, it'll feel more like this. Introducing the new 2022 Chevy Silverado. Find new upgrades. Find new roads. Chevrolet. Three, two, one. Never has there been a better time to be alive in human history. If you're not feeling it, you must discover why. Join Matthew Bolton in developing and applying a framework of objective optimism toward a flourishing life of meaning, health, and happiness. Here's your host, Matthew Bolton. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Mr. Brightside. I'm Matthew Bolton. So today is the 50th episode of Mr. Brightside, and while perhaps that doesn't sound like a wild thing for a weekly podcast, it is a nice round milestone and a good excuse for a bit of reflection. But it's also true that perhaps it is a notable achievement. Like, I don't know all the stats or anything exactly, but I don't expect many podcasts make it to 50. And that's nothing to do with having good ratings and that it's up to some broadcaster who chooses to re-up you and all that, right? Oh, that show's still up and running because it's popular. No. Obviously, anyone can record and publish a podcast, and even without any audience at all. Uh, We're certainly not rocking large numbers here on Mr. Brightside. Um, But the reason I expect many don't stick with it this far is that there's a lot more that goes into it than one might think. Uh, You know, people might think it's just some dudes chatting with their buddies or some guy like me talking into a mic, and then you record it and ship it out. But there's so much time-wise, financially to some degree, technically, mentally, emotionally, and again, (laughs) time-wise. It's a lot of work. But I'm not going to bore you this episode with the details of all that. Instead, I, might, uh, I thought I might reflect a bit by sharing a little history about why the show is called Mr. Brightside. Obviously, when people hear that name, they think of the uber-popular killer song from 2004. And it's like, why would you call it that when everyone is going to confuse it with the killers, right? No one will find you in searches, right? I mean, and, and that's been proved very true. If you try to Google Mr. Brightside right now, you're going to get pages of killers uh, links and all that, and you know you probably have to you have to put Mr. Brightside in my name and then podcast beside it just to get anything. Um, now I have very cleverly, if you've noticed, separated the bright and the side as two words, but that doesn't seem to make much of a difference. Um, <laughs> and I'm just making a joke about that, but to be serious, it wasn't that that was just a sad attempt to distinguish it from the killers. I just really think of that term as it relates to optimism as two words. You know, look at the bright side. Optimism is not about the bright side, but the, you know, the bright side. Uh, But just in general, uh, people are always going to have that in mind. Like, is this related to the killers? Oh, you mean like the killer song? Uh, I actually had one woman who applied to be a guest on my show uh, many months ago, uh, add a note to her email, something like, by the way, your, your show name is the best song reference ever. And I'm like, it's not about that. And of course, I knew all this going in, and I nonetheless went ahead with Mr. Brightside, as I just liked it so much the first moment I heard it in my head for this, and then more and more as I thought on it. It just encapsulates the concept of optimism for me in a fun way that's better than any other title. The underlining concept that directs this show and my own life is what I call objective optimism, yet that's not a podcast name, right? But Mr. Brightside encapsulates the psychological and philosophical aspects of the science of optimism, and it also implies more generally the positive energy, passion, enjoyment of life, etc. associated with optimism. It says it all for me, and I love it. But there's more than even that on a personal level, so it becomes even more meaningful to me. Uh, my wife has called me that for years, right? And, and while it's true that she got that expression from the song, so it is related in that way, she always means it simply to refer to my optimistic nature and exhausting positive energy. 
I've said on this show how she rolls her eyes when I start to go on about how much I love a thing or go on about the good stuff happening in our lives or with something we have or what we're currently doing, etc. And then one time as I was gushing about some aspect of our house that I liked that she had arranged and I was pleased with, she said very sweetly and sarcastically, of course, why don't you tell me what you don't like? Right? So anyway, she often says... Uh, and usually with some combination of a bit of exasperation, pleasure, and often some kind of wonder, like, is this for real, this guy? She's like, all right, Mr. Brightside. Right? So while she does think it's a little much sometimes, she does, uh, if I may say, think on the whole that it's an admirable trait. And to be even more serious, she does credit me often with changing her whole, her whole outlook on life and general mood even. Um, she always says to me, you know, it's true. I was Mrs. Darkside. And while she's always been funny, witty, and charming, right, it is true that she did have that kind of gloomy and pessimistic tendency to her. Now, it wasn't enough to deter me, of course. And over the years, we have both influenced each other and helped the other to grow in positive ways. So, you know, in any case, there's all of that in the name, too. Um, I also thought in discussing the name Mr. Brightside now, it might be a fun chance to share a couple of stories that are illustrated of the optimistic nature that has always been a part of who I am, long before I ever thought in conscious terms about the concept. Um, you guys know self-awareness has two main sources. It may be gained through introspection, uh, which is often thought of as a subjective process because we look inward. Um, but as I've said before on the show, it is actually an objective process as one still looks at oneself as the object of observation and consideration. Uh, in any case, one ought to be objective about introspection. Although we often try to evade looking closely at things we don't like while amplifying things that we do like and even creating whole stories about ourselves that aren't true. And this is pure subjectivism, of course, and it's not helpful to one's self-esteem, contrary to what many might believe. Um, but that's not our subject today. The point here is that introspection is one way in which we gain self-awareness. And the other way is through what other people say and how they behave toward you. You can learn a lot from this. Again, if you're honest and objective about it, not rationalizing an interpretation that suits your subjective preconceived image of yourself. Look, I don't always like what I see in myself when it is clearly reflected in other people's reactions to me, including what they say. Now, of course, it is then still up to me to decide whether that's my fault or theirs. But when I conclude that it's mine... While it can be painful to face such a judgment about oneself, it is a great opportunity for self-improvement. It's a great gift to get that outside perspective on oneself if one is brave enough to face it and honestly take account of it. Well, today I want to share a few stories that luckily won't be all that painful, I don't think, although maybe a little embarrassing. But on the whole, they reflect to me some evidence of my optimism and general positive energy. Uh, there are a few instances that have stuck with me over the years and make me go, oh, I guess this is what come across as, you know, I have to take note of this and take it into my account of myself. So the first goes way back to my university days where I played both soccer and hockey for St. Mary's University in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Uh, in my couple seasons of hockey there, my stall was in a corner with a few of the veteran players and, and they were always, uh, you know, really good to me, treated me very well, took care of me and stuff. I remember uh, Matt Hill was in that corner and Chad Murray and I'm very sorry to any others that I don't remember, you know, I don't remember anything very clearly. But I do remember this. And it is actually Chad Murray, uh, the Murdog, who is the main actor in this uh, reminiscence here. So one day at practice, we're getting ready, uh, you know, and I'm tying my skates or whatever. And I look up and he's just looking at me with this, you know, queer smirk or grin on his face, like slightly shaking his head, like, like he's looking at a puzzle or maybe, maybe a joke or something. Right. And then 
it was a little unsettling to me, not in a bad way, but just kind of, I was just look like, I look up and he's just staring at me and I was like, what? And he was like, what's it like to live in your world, Bolts? Sunshine and lollipops, eh? <laughs> like, and I, I really can't recall what happened after that, what I said, conversation went, you know, that's all lost. But those lines and that look have always stuck with me. And it still keeps me to wonder what I must have looked like or come across like to people around me at that age. And certainly I'm brought to wonder what made him say such a thing like out of nowhere. You know, I wasn't doing anything at that moment. So Murdoch, if you get a hold of this episode, I wonder if you recall that instance and whether you remember what brought you to say it on that day. Um, But in any case, the big point in that for me is living in my world sunshine and lollipops those those lines first that implies that a person can create one's own world in a sense through how one chooses to perceive it or more precisely what one chooses to focus on and more as it relates to self-awareness it indicates that there were the seeds general and unconscious of a mindset that would become a more formal and deliberate mental and philosophical approach to my life and that more general and unconscious approach was optimism To what else can sunshine and lollipops refer to, right? Obviously, something to do with seeing the bright side and joy in things. So thanks very much for that one, Chad. I will never forget that. And actually, I always think of the expression sunshine and lollipops as a shorthand for appreciating the delightful things in life even today. Uh, Another instance is one that's been told me as it happened in my home in Canada while I was away here living in Korea several years ago. And as I understand the story, people were discussing uh, some latest situation in North Korea. And, you know, people at home are more worried about that stuff unduly, I'll add, uh, when they have family living over here in South Korea. Be careful of that hysterical media, guys. Uh, But anyway, with that, at one point, my father said something in the way of like an argument against alarm. He was like, oh, well, Matt's not worried. And people were like, oh, oh, were you talking to him? And he was like, oh, no, it's just not in his nature to worry. (laughs) So I heard that I laughed and I thought, Well, again, here we go. I mean, what is this? So, you know, I might take this two ways. I know there was a time when he would mean that in an exasperated way, like he couldn't get me to settle down or something, like when I was younger. Like he'd get so upset that I wouldn't, from his perspective, take things too seriously or foresee negative consequences. Does that sound familiar to any parents out there? Um, But I'd always be more like, you know, I'll be fine. I'm going to be fine. It's all good. And this has been my general attitude to life. I generally feel like I'm going to do okay with whatever I try to do. Um, But I do see that he has a point, certainly when I was younger and couldn't articulate any clear shape or vision for what I might do with myself. I just knew it would be okay. And this can easily be mistaken for that subjective optimist uh, that my objective optimism is meant to contrast and discredit. Um, And of course, I did exhibit more of those subjectivist traits as a younger person than I do today, as I've now become more aware of the issues involved. But the other way I could take it Um, In my most recent years, uh, mostly since marriage, there had been a different level of understanding between my father and me. Um, He just seemed to get me more. Uh, He really felt that, you know, we had settled down, that I'd settled down. And he finally let go, like almost as if he trusted we knew what we were doing. Um, You know, my dad took on a lot of responsibility and subsequent stress for his kids. Um, I think a lot of parents do this, even when their kids are older. Um, And it came from a good place, and there was lots to be appreciated in it. But I think a lot of it was unnecessary. Now, when I say that he started to be more reassured, I think most of his relief and letting go was due to the competence of my wife, Heian, as he thought that his, you know, foolish idiot son was in competent hands now and could be managed by this mature woman. Don't lots of dads feel that. Um, But I was also able to sense that he just respected more that my mindset and approach to life that I'd always had was actually propelling me in positive direction in life and that he didn't have to worry about us anymore. 
In any case, the highlight here, an impression that has stuck with me is, it's not in his nature to worry. It's another big point to take stock of in my own account of myself. A third and final one now, from like five years ago or more at a soccer game in Seoul. Uh, I played in the Seoul Sunday Football League for 22 seasons. That's 11 years in all. It's a fall and spring league. And it's a hugely vast and diverse global community. And my wife and I have made many friends over the years. Uh, in any case, one game, we were kind of in that pre-game time. You know, you, you go out and you warm up. You come back up. Maybe you get your full kit on, have a drink, you know, etc. Uh, we're just having a bit of strategic talk plus, uh, you know, uh, some loose banter as well. And it came up about accents or something for some reason. And some of us tried on our British accents for the British boys and whatnot. And then I brought up the idea that I always found it fascinating and usually very funny to hear British or Australian or New Zealand people try on an American or uh, North American, you might say, accent. Um, Actually, let's step back uh, to university days for just a moment. One uh, on this point, one St. Mary's soccer teammate, my striking partner, roommate and friend, Andreas Atkins, um, he had a beauty. So we would say, Atkins, do do a you know a Canadian accent. He would just pretend he's holding a beard and go, I'm freaking hammered, man. I'm hammered, man. So he didn't really go very far in the dialogue, but uh, you know he just sharpened his R's and repeating the same thing. But it is legendary, Atkins, mate. Um, so anyway, back to this day in Seoul, I put it to our British boys, and and at one in particular, Chris Baldy, I said, Hey, Baldy, give us your uh, North American accent, like you know, do a Canadian accent, like uh, like like do do me do my accent, for example. And he goes, oh, all right. Okay, boys, we're going to do this. And we're going to get that. And we're going to go in there. We're just, if we go down a goal, we're going to still get it back. We're going to be all right. Everything's going to be, let's go. And he just started acting all excitedly like a crazy person. And everybody was laughing. And I was laughing too. And I got it, right? But I did add, you know, with a little annoyed. I was, hey, no, I didn't say do an impression of me. I said, can do my accent. Um, and of course, I never did get an accent out of him, right? I reckon it's crap, mate, and that's why. That's why you evaded having to do it for real, right? You're taking the piss out of me was a diversion from having to do it. Um, but in any case, from that story, I got once again uh, out of him doing that, you know, not that I wasn't aware. Um, but it's one of those ones that gave me to take extra pause and reflection and go, man, I guess I really am quite obviously an outwardly energetic and high-wired, maybe like a little crazy to people or something like that, right? Like everyone just laughs so much and really seemed to get it. And of course, there have been many significant instances over my life and almost daily lesser ones where people reflect back to me, as is true for all of us, who we are and how we come across to the world. But I've only selected these three for now and they are deeply ingrained in my memory. And the point here and related to this show is that I've been an optimist all my life, although more something in the way of a generally positive person, like in a broad metaphysical view of the world. I also had some of the mindset traits I now recognize in my more formal and detailed conception of optimism. But what I was lacking was that more deliberate approach to being optimistic, to more intentionally seeking the optimal in everything. You know, I think I had been naturally in a way, you know, in always thinking that I had a chance. You know, as an example, in my youth, much of my identity was wrapped up in being an athlete. And in that realm of sports, I always... You know, it was about doing whatever we could to win with whatever we had. I was just thinking we could win with whatever lineup we happened to have, for example. You just, okay, we'll just play to these strengths. We'll organize ourselves this way. Uh, maintain a consistency and shutdown, etc. You know, we're down goal, we're down three. You just focus on getting one back. You know, I just always thought, yeah, we're going to win. You know, I'm going to score. We can win. That kind of thing. But I never thought about my life in terms of optimal human flourishing, taking each aspect of my life and asking questions in regard to it, learning the objective truth about things in myself and then shaping myself, etc. I just had a general belief that I would do well with things I tried and that that I would get on in the world. 
That and the positive enthusiasm was always there. But now that I understand very clearly the efficacy of the human mind and its ability to know the world and reshape it to whatever we like, that I understand that there are geniuses out there who are working on things that I can't comprehend, but which give me an impossible return on my work, making me richer, and that if I can just keep up my part and do my best, I can enjoy a life no other average person in history could enjoy. Now that I know that stuff, I'm almost an unbearable and explicitly proud, full-on optimist, capital O. Um, And with that, let's return to the story of how I actually got the name of the podcast. I had had some working names when I first started developing the idea of doing a podcast. Think and Thrive was pretty much what it was going to be, and I even had artwork thought up and stuff for that and everything. I actually use that phrase a lot on this show and in my own thinking, as I think it encapsulates the two main aspects of what a moral life is all about. To thrive is the proper fundamental goal of a living being, and thus for an individual human being, and thinking, for humans, is the fundamental means by which one achieves success in reality. So obviously there's a lot in those terms, but they essentialize those basic ends and means of life very eloquently and concisely. And on top, they just go together well. You know, it sounds good. Although one might argue whether the familiarity with drink and drive is a good or bad thing. Is it any publicity is good publicity? Is that right? Well, it's catchy in any case. So for many reasons, I was very happy with it. You know, think and thrive. Uh, There were many other names that were in contention that I won't bother to mention here, but Think and Thrive was pretty much it. Yet something happened that changed that in an instant for me. Uh, My wife and I were at an art exhibition. Her cousin, uh, she and her husband are very close to us. They're ceramic artists and uh, were part of a big exhibition at a big convention hall in a mega shopping center in Seoul. That's the COEX for uh, listeners living in Korea. And we went up to support them, you know, and to look around at the, all the booths and everything and check it all out. Um, so at one point we took a time out and we were in some kind of big family restaurant slash pub called Devil's Door. It's in, the, in this mega mall. We went to get some lunch, a, you know, a beer and a break and just chill out and sit down. Well, we were talking about various things, and after I made some optimistic remark regarding the exhibition or our classes or whatever, I, I can't remember what we were talking about, but I just said something like, well, if you just look at it and do like this and this, and she was like, okay, Mr. Brightside, and at that moment, we just kind of, you know, I said, that's it, that, that, that's the name of the podcast, and she was kind of nodding and smiling, almost as if she had kind of heard it too, and she certainly agreed, yeah, you know, that has to be the name, um, and we weren't even talking about the podcast, right, and, and then I went on, and I started to explain to her in the ways that I thought it was like a really good fit, and in any case, I started to go with it from then, and as I've been saying, as I went along, I just saw more and more why it was the right name. So that's pretty much all there is to it. The summary is that my wife calls me that. I'm about optimism, both in natural character and in mature adult philosophy. And it's a more colloquial and fun way to say all of that in one concept people can get. The idea also allows me to either talk about practical philosophy on the show, toward the end of human flourishing like I do, as well as to just share awesome and positive stuff in the world. This show is Mr. Brightside. It's all about optimism and appreciating fun stuff, you know, sunshine and lollipops. Now, another quick point on the name, I'd also like to clarify that I never intended to say that I am Mr. Brightside. I'd always thought of it as representing the concept of optimism, as in I'm a Mr. Brightside and and that we all may aspire to be a Mr. or Mrs. or Mrs. Brightside or what have you. But I suppose people may think of me and this show however they like. But however you think of it, I do hope you choose optimism and choose the bright side of things in your own life. Uh, There are many elaborations now I could make and directions I could go, but going anywhere else today. I think uh, what I've shared is what I wanted to do with the show today. So before I do add a final word, if you have questions or comments about this or any other show, suggestions, 
about the show, things you'd like to see, uh, themes you'd like me to tackle, anything you think would add value and enjoyment for listeners, I am very anxious to hear it. Please share anything you have regarding the show, negative or positive, constructively negative, please, if you're going to be negative, uh, with me in the comments section where you're listening now, or you can go to the Mr. Brightside Facebook page, facebook.com slash matthewbolton.ca. And thank you very much for all of that. Now, in closing on my reflection of 50 episodes, allow me to thank a few people because I must. And I really do hope you'll stay with me to, to hear this. And I do have something to say following. You know, while I spend pretty much all my time and focus on the content and production of this show, I haven't made many efforts to reach anyone or spread the show. I just kind of throw it up on Facebook and LinkedIn and see where it goes, which I understand is very limiting. Uh, But now that I think I have a much better product than when I first started out, I might spend more time thinking of how I can toss it into some other spaces and see whether we can expand our audience. Uh, If you have any suggestions on this, by the way, I'll be grateful to hear them. But in the meantime, let me say how grateful I am to you who have been listening. I've said recently and I've said before that while the show is for me in many ways a means to clarify my own ideas, I wouldn't do it for no one at all, right? It's too much work and time for that. So to see that there have been some consistent number of audio listeners and a consistent number of YouTube viewers each week has been much of what's fueled me, and that's you. So thank you very much. And an extra shout out to those who have shared this podcast at any time. This is definitely a low-cost way to support the show. Don't underestimate sharing. Again, thank you. And please, make yourself known, right? Especially if you've been a regular listener. But even if you've only just caught on, please let me know who you are. Even if you only say hello, it would brighten my day and bolster my enthusiasm for doing this. Get in the comments, please, and show me you're here. It does make a big difference to me. In any case, uh, thank you all, listeners, and I promise to try to give you more of what you want as we go. I'll also take the opportunity to thank all the guests I've had on the show this year. Regular listeners know, and if you don't, then you may go back and hear some excellent interviews I did with various guests. Uh, Whatever they shared in terms of experience and wisdom, they were all gracious, generous, and kind in dealing with me, a rookie interviewer, and I had good experiences with everyone. And of course, some more than good, and you'll know who you are, and I very much appreciate you. It's also true that I learned something from each interview, and I actually use at least one concept or idea from each, without exception to help me better imagine or conceptualize in a new way even things that I already knew. It was just put to me in a better way for me by them. And of course, some things were just entirely new to me and have helped me, and I still use these terms and concepts today. Now, I don't want to just highlight one, but I do owe him for his generosity. Uh, You can see I'm wearing this Jackrabbit t-shirt. Many of you might recognize this as from Danny Bader and his Jackrabbit model, whose core principle is vision. And because the Jackrabbit has eyes further back up on his head, So he explained, it can see all around its environment at once. And he likes that analogy um, to people having to have full awareness. And so his company is called Jackrabbit. Uh, In any case, after our interview, he offered to send my wife and I t-shirts and books. And of course, he was true to his word as we got a package from Philadelphia not long after our interview. So uh, you can see here um, the books that he gave us, right? So he gave us these books. It was great. And, um, you know... Um, Let me say that I'd always planned to wear this t-shirt on a show, um, but of course it was very inappropriate to wear it and mention it on another guest show, so I had it put away for a while. And then when I started to do these solo shows again over the uh, past few months, then I kind of forgot about it each week I would forget again. Well, Danny, here I am on my 50th show, and I love it, man. Thank you. Um, And check out my wife's t-shirt that he gave her, DLDSM underneath. This stands for Don't Let Dumb Shit Matter. What a message. And let's all take that away as we're into this new year. 
And let me again thank all of my guests over this past year. Uh, to listeners, let it be known that I will invite guests on again at various times, no doubt. I also now want to acknowledge the contributions of my friend, Jason Cresswell, who's also been a guest, as well as a guest host one time each, some of you will recognize. Friends, for about 20 years now, we've always pushed each other to be better versions of ourselves and have inspired and supported ideas in each other. And he was an early consultant on almost everything to do with this show, as I bounced ideas off him throughout, and he continues to be that. He was also huge in the technical aspects of it. Anyone who knows me knows that I am among the least handy and least technology-savvy people out there. Uh, I always say that a testament to the genius of those in the computer and communications and related industries is that a guy like me can produce and publish his own video and audio podcast. Um, of course, I couldn't have done it alone to begin with. From the beginning, Jason continuously referred me to tools and products and then patiently walked me through how to use them all. He continues to be my tech support and a top consultant on the show. So thank you, JC. This doesn't get off the ground without you. And another top consultant and top supporter of the show is my wife, Heian. You know, it's a lot for a person to go after a large and long-term project that's important to them. And way more than I have dared to bore you with today goes into this. And without the uncomplaining support of your spouse, it would be unbearable, if not impossible. On top of just the sheer time and attention many wives could easily resent, but that she doesn't begrudge me, she has supported me by buying me equipment when I need, you know, software, tools, hardware, whatever I need. Yep, you got it. And then on top of that, she just believes in what I'm saying, what I'm doing, and she gives me the positive energy and courage I need when my own starts to fail, which I assure you it can, putting yourself out there like this all the time. She's already the inspiration that drives me to want to be an optimal me all the time, as I want to deserve her every day. And that optimism is what drives this show. So thank you, Heana, for more than just this. But I'm not about to share a love letter on this show. No one wants to hear all that mush. Um, but in all seriousness, I only hope that anyone else who pursues something they care about gets this kind of support from their close ones. It's really inexpressible, the various ways in which it's needed and how Han has done for me. So thank you, dearest. Now, to wrap up, to really wrap up now, guys, back to the original theme of today's show, which is that I don't care if people confuse this show title with the killer song. How other people take it is none of my business. I just know that there's simply no other name for this show. It has to be Mr. Brightside. And there it is, guys. 50 episodes. Just like Wayne Gretzky's 50 goals in 39 games. Something like that, right? Well, okay. <laughs> so maybe it's nothing like that at all. Maybe it's more like 50 shots because I know most of them were big misses. It's almost embarrassing to listen or to see some of the early episodes. But at least with that, I know that I've improved. One has to improve if you stick with something through that many reps. And I hope that I can continue to improve and enjoy sharing ever more relevant, thoughtful, entertaining, and consumable content for you that I can be proud of. I always hope that sharing my ideas and passions and achievements and questions on the way to my own individual flourishing will encourage you to pursue yours. Thank you all again. See you next time. An extra housekeeping note here. Mr. Brightside is about pursuing your own life, and I strive to be an arch example of it. While it is important to me that this show be a benefit to people, I don't do it at my expense for people. I want to share it with people so I can challenge and strengthen my own ideas and adopt new ones, and I want to have fun doing it. But I have so many projects on the go at present, including some for my real university job, you know, my day job, um, and I need more time to pursue various other things. With that, I'm announcing that I will temporarily be moving to a bi-weekly schedule. If anyone is really anticipating these shows every week, I haven't heard so. Um, but if you do have serious objections, let me know. Um, at one point, I will resume the weekly schedule, and that may be very soon, or perhaps after the school winter holiday. 
But if you'll be missing something every week, may I suggest that you go back and review some episodes you missed. Uh, One quality of these shows I'm proud to have seen recognized is that they are evergreen, as one friend recently put it, uh, as he even said that he could listen in 10 years from now and it wouldn't go stale. Um, Go and find a title that intrigues you and see if that can't give you something to fuel your week. Uh, It's also possible that I may even publish some meager offering of sorts on the off weeks, but I'm not sure. We'll see. But the main freshly recorded episodes will be every two weeks Um, for now for a little while. I do very much enjoy this, so it's only a temporary dial down. And I will look for ways to promote the show as one thing to do with my newfound free time. Uh, There ought to be no negative stress in the projects we take on, only the motivating kind. And this schedule is just to take a bit of pressure off and keep this fully fun for me each episode. In the meantime, I'll see you in a couple weeks. Mr. Brightside, your time out to refresh, refuel, and refocus your mind and energy toward building an optimistic framework for flourishing. Life is good. It's up to you to choose the bright side. 